0: Good evening, and welcome to the Film Club Podcast. Mr. Hitchcock? No, it's just me. Oh, wow. Hi. Hi, hello, and welcome to the Film Club Podcast. I'm Dean. I'm Boo.
1: And we are the movie couple that talks about movies.
0: And this week we're talking about Hitchcock.
1: Yeah. Um, not
0: not the director. Not any of his films.
1: The, the movie about the man. Yes. The myth.
0: The, the legend. legend.
1: Consensus number one filmmaker of all time? I think that's been, that's been the consensus. A lot of great directors list, he's in, like, the top five, or yeah. he's number one. Yeah. Um, which, I I think is earned. He's a guy that has, like, a long history of being a great director, and I think almost all of his movies were either critical or financial success stories.
0: Absolutely.
1: Uh, but yeah, so, we're talking about... Hitchcock, 2012, starring Anthony Hawkins, Helen Miriam. Miriam. Uh, Miriam. I've called her Miriam, and I misspell her name all the time to Miriam.
0: I, I know. All day today you've been saying Miriam or Miriam, and I'm like, I'll say it like lowly, I'm like Miriam, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah Miriam. That lady, that and I'm lady. just like, like the, right. the
1: really good British actress. Yes. You know, the old one. Not not that one. The <sighs> other one. The one that played the queen. Not not that one you're thinking of. The other one that played the queen.
0: Are, are you Okay.
1: Yeah, no, it's just Helen Mirren is like the the definition of very classy uh British actress.
0: Also, it's Dame Helen Mirren. D-
1: Dame Helen Mirren yes. and Sir Anthony Hopkins. Yes. Yes. Uh but yeah, so talking about Hitchcock.
0: And it's November, so this is a brand new movie for both of us. Yes,
1: it's the movie that finishes off November. Yeah. And this was your pick.
0: It was my pick and uh it was a fun watch.
1: Yeah, it was a fun watch. Um we both kind of had a feeling afterwards like there was something missing out of it but we can both agree it was a good movie yeah it just didn't floor us
0: i don't know what i was expecting
1: what did you think it was gonna be when you went in because new movie never seen it before yeah what what were you thinking going in
0: pick the movie because this is a movie i've been wanting to see it came out in 2012 a couple years after i graduated high school didn't really have anyone to go watch this with because a lot of my friends weren't into like classic films and like directors so it's taken me all this time to finally see this movie
1: i'm glad i'm here for you it it took a decade but we made it
0: we we made it yes but i thought you know perfect movie to end this month with and love psycho so any reason i get to see the the makings and the behind the scenes of the movie i'll take it
1: ah i see so this was more you just wanted more psycho info oh absolutely gotcha okay yeah, because I, I remember this film when it came out in twenty twelve. But I remember it as oh, it it's Anthony Hopkins and Helen Miriam trying to you know win another Oscar. I I vaguely remember it coming out, but I think this had a super small release.
0: Yeah, I remember the advertisement, the classic you know poster, the, the, the poster red, with the, red the knife. Poster. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. I remember, but I don't remember too much advertisement. Um. I have the DVD to the movie now, and there's no bonus features on it, no the making of the movie, so it's kind of like...
1: This feels like a... I, I, I don't want to be mean, but it feels like, oh, this is like a really well-made HBO, made-for-TV movie that got a studio-level production behind it. I don't because know. there's no special feat. there's no like behind-the-scenes stuff on it, it's uh, the director's first narrative film, he did documentaries yeah. before this... It seems like Anthony Hopkins and Helen Mirren came on to this because they were like, oh, this is like a, this is like a drama film that we can inhabit some real life characters and make a run for an Oscar nod. But this was a stacked fucking year, so that didn't happen. Well,
0: you know, apart from that, I feel like whoever did the casting for this movie was phenomenal because, I mean, but they were really able to pin down characters that were really similar to the, the actual people.
1: Oh, I just want to make a note. The actor who plays um Anthony Perkins, oh God, what's his name? Um
0: James Darcy. Yeah, Darcy.
1: James Darcy.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, he was like, like striking and looked exactly like Anthony Perkins. It was kind of weird
0: because you could put an actor in an iconic costume, and you could, see, you know, see some of the similarities. But this man looked like Anthony Perkins. Yeah, it
1: was really weird. And I mean, you have a- Anthony Hopkins playing Hitchcock. Yeah, and he's doing a a good Hitchcock impression. But like, you know, the special effects makeup on his on his face, where you give him the the, the jow- Hitchcock jowls, mm-hmm. which in in some scenes are better than others.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I think you know? you know Sir Anthony Hopkins really kind of nailed the character. He had the voice down.
1: He had a it, lot of the weird little mannerisms down. He, it didn't feel like a good party trick. It felt like a real performance. Yeah. But let's let's be honest. This movie is stolen by by Helen Mirren.
0: Oh yeah, Helen Mirren takes the cake in this movie. This is her movie, and I mean, I think it's smart because she was she's portraying the woman behind the man, just mm-hmm. like you know, his wife Alma did in real life. And I kind of like that the the filmmakers wanted to give her the spotlight and show just, you know, how important she was to his career.
1: Yeah, but that's the thing with the movie that I feel it is its major flaw. And we talked about this where we don't think there's any one reason why the movie doesn't work. It's a lot of very tiny ones.
0: I mean, I think the movie works. It's just it's missing something.
1: It feels bland. It's a thing where it's like, man, this is a great steak, but it's it's definitely a, a grocery store steak. It's not a, a gourmet steak. It's fine. But but here's the thing. The movie, I think, at its heart is trying to be a biopic, a story of Alfred Hitchcock in a very specific moment, him creating his final masterpiece, we'll say. Psycho, his last great film. Yeah, But it doesn't go deep enough into the actual production of Psycho. To make it a behind-the-scenes movie in the truest sense, it doesn't dive deep enough into Hitchcock as a man for us to understand more beyond the mythos and legend, and it doesn't do enough to expand on his mythology in a way where it's like, oh, yeah, he wasn't just great, he was amazing. Yeah. I feel like if they focused completely on Alma, that's a more interesting movie.
0: Yeah, and, and to show how difficult it was in Hollywood to, you know, for a woman to have a career, you know, like Hitchcock's, where you could be a director and you could be the one, you know, calling the shots and having all the knowledge that she had.
1: Well, for it basically being laid out in the movie that, oh, yeah, no, Hitchcock was a great director, but half the fucking work was her.
0: Yeah, and she, she did
1: all those story edits, she did all the rewrites. And she, she even
0: said, you know, when they met, she was his boss. yeah. And it's just this thing, you know, where the man kind of, you know, rose to the occasion and, you know, he's the one that took the reins and she was still kind of like, you know, I got all this, but I guess I can work with you.
1: Yeah, and it, it's just a thing where I feel that's where the movie has a fatal flaw because we mentioned it. There's a lot of drama manufactured for the movie to make it interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a thing the where, the yeah, the will-they-won't-they, they, is this actually mm-hmm. an affair, or is it really just a writer's, tr- like, um retreat. a writer's retreat, and it's Hitchcock being so paranoid about it, but it's like, in real life, they were, like, I don't think there was ever an affair on either side of that marriage. No,
0: I, I think what I read somewhere was that they were friends, um, Alma and, what was his Whitfield name?
1: Whitfield Cook.
0: Whitfield Cook. The Played thing by Wh-
1: Danny Houston.
0: Who was... Marlo from Thirty Days a Night.
1: Yes, yes,
0: another great movie.
1: I like Thirty Days a Night. That's actually a, a pretty decent yeah, one. That's
0: a fun movie. Yeah,
1: but the uh, sequel sucks.
0: Oh yeah, I I refuse to watch the sequel.
1: It is so god awful. Oh my god,
0: it's another one of these things where it's like you know if the first movie's perfection, why? It's like don't, well, well it's the like... first movie's not not
1: perfect, but it's a really really good like horror movie. And like they, I know they wanted to make sequels because mm, there's like a bunch no. of comic books and shit, but. The problem with the sequels, is they couldn't even get Josh Hartnett back for no. the one-scene cameo at the end.
0: No, because, I mean, it's perfect the way it ended.
1: Yeah, no, it was yeah. a really good movie. But back back to this.
0: Yeah, so they had um, a friendship, and I guess for the movie they just really kind of embellished that to add drama to the storyline and to, you know, kind of push Hitchcock over the edge with, you know, oh, I'm doing this movie about psychosis and My wife, she's doing this to me. Now I'm starting to lose it.
1: Yeah, but in the movie, he never really loses it in the way you want it to happen. No, and
0: I mean, you never want him to lose it, period. Because, you know, Alma and Hitchcock, they were very much in love. And, I mean, they were together. All the way until they died, so... Yeah,
1: like, what, 50, 60 years they were married? It was something, like, ridiculously long.
0: Yeah, you know, from working together, marriage, it's like, yeah, these two were couples' goals.
1: Yeah, well, the thing is, is where's the drama, though? Like, what's the driving point of the story? Because if it was like, oh, the whole movie is showing you how they actually constructed Psycho Mm -hmm. as... As this thing that was, for the most part, a cheap B-movie that Hitchcock said, I can make a B-movie into a piece of art.
0: Into a phenomenon.
1: Into a phenomenon, yeah. But that's not what it is. Like, we're barely on set for Psycho at all. Not, like, we don't really give that much, like, lip service to it at all.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it was a, a writing thing where they thought that, you know, the drama with the studio, with Paramount not wanting to do this movie... Would be strong enough to hold the audience.
1: It's not,
0: but it's just like I was like, uh, I don't know how this, you know, will they, won't they, affair thing takes that.
1: Yeah, and and you mentioned um, that you thought this was going to be more like a suspenseful kind of thrillery thing. Yeah, and I, and it feels like. No, the movie just needs to have something more dramatic as its central core. Because the movie's in, like, 90 minutes. Yeah. And it it's... feels like there's just not enough drama to make this a complete story that holds you the whole time. Like, I felt, like, near the end of the movie, when Alma and Hitchcock are on the, on the same page, that was, like, the best part of the movie.
0: Yeah, w- once they finally kind of get through this this boulder that's basically, you know, sitting in the middle of their relationship... It's kind of like, you know what? We're back to the old days where we're just making movies and we're having a good time. Mm -hmm. We're a team. It's like, I love that. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I would have loved to have seen more of them just on the same page, having a good time, showing her come to set when he's sick and be like, you know, are we paying you here to, you know, sit around and hang out, get to work? Yeah. And this woman, you know, oh, hey, you know, you've got that lens on that camera. We don't shoot that way. Change it. And it's just like, Alma knows what's up.
1: Yeah, because I think, and I think that's a thing that's missing from the movie, is I wanted to see how they got to this point. Yeah. Because, again, they had made movies for, I think, Hitchcock made over 50 films in his lifetime, Mm -hmm. and Psycho was in the last
0: 10. Yeah, and I mean... There were movies that he made in the UK, so there was, you know. He made a bunch in Germany. So it's, you know, there's a ton of history. And I get that this movie is about the making of Psycho, but I think the general consensus for the two of us was we would have liked more flashbacks, kind of like in Gods and Monsters.
1: Yeah, where it dives into okay, I understand Hitchcock is, you know, master of suspense. He's this, you know, mythological uh, cinematic figure, but Mm -hmm. could you, like, just humanize him more? Like, Why was he so particular? Why did he Mm -hmm. have all these weird eccentricities? What is up with the blondes? Yeah. Because that's the biggest thing about Hitchcock, and I feel that's why so many people hold him up as, oh, he's the greatest director of all time, is because he's the director that has the most content of study. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a whole 50-hour interview book, Hitchcock Truffaut, that is just... Francois Truffaut doing an interview with Hitchcock for over, like, the course of five or six days. Yeah. And it's fascinating because, oh, yeah, no, Hitchcock had a clear mindset and he was very particular and he knew exactly what he wanted. He storyboarded every single film to a T. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in a single Hitchcock movie that he didn't want there.
0: Down to the clothes, undergarments. Yep. The man, you know, had his hand in every little detail.
1: And I'd be so interested to see why was he like that? And it it would probably be the same thing if somebody made, like, a Kubrick biopic. Yeah. It would be Kubrick sitting in his office for 45 minutes, throwing books against the wall until he's like, oh, yeah, no, we'll make The Shining. And then he just tortures Shelley Duvall for the last hour of the movie. Like, yeah. that, it probably wouldn't be that interesting, but I'd want to know more about, well, how did he grow up? I did mean, he grow it, up poor?
0: It was like, um, I, I watched uh, a documentary about the making of Psycho, and mm-hmm. this was... I don't know how old this documentary was, but I mean Janet Lee was still alive. A lot of people that helped make the film were still alive, and his daughter she was in the documentary and she talked about the scene where Marion's being uh, followed by the police mm-hmm. and how you know Hitchcock loved to add things that scared him. So he had a, a phobia of the police. Yeah, uh, I guess like
1: many people, like do. many
0: people, yes. <laughs> but something in his childhood, you know, happened with uh, he ended up being taken to a police station because he got in trouble. And she was kind of like, I feel like my dad embellished that story of, you know, him going to the police station and being thrown thrown in a cell to teach him a lesson. But it's like, we could have seen stuff like that, you know, stuff from his childhood, his past, you know, these things that are haunting him. And, well, let's use it in a movie to kind of cope a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's the Gods and Monsters playbook.
0: Or him, you know, donning his iconic black suit and black tie. Yeah, I, I feel...
1: The movie would be more, more interesting if we just got more of Hitchcock as a as a human being, like because yeah. that's the game plan of most biopics. Mm-hmm. We're trying to humanize mythological figures, mm-hmm. like um, walk the line and Ray did for Johnny Cash mm-hmm. and Ray Charles, who were mythological musical figures. You know, oh, the e- most popular,
0: even Elvis, the the new film that came out last year.
1: Yeah, but I I haven't seen that movie. I don't know too much about what the movie actually is going on. Because apparently it's not that much about Elvis. It's about the guy that was his manager and built him up. And that's another thing. Like, oh, it's a movie about Elvis, but it's Mm -hmm. not about Elvis. It's about the mystique. How did this mythology get built? Exactly.
0: And I've seen the movie, and I love Baz Luhrmann films, and it feels very much like a Baz Luhrmann movie. Mm -hmm. But also... Yeah, we're seeing, uh, what is his name, Colonel Ray Parker?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the Colonel. He's he the guy that saw Elvis and was like, I can make some money off of that boy.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting to see, you know, through this fantastical world that Baz gives you, to see kind of, you know, how this guy found this talented man and was like, okay, I'm basically going to make you my puppet and I'm going to reap in everything that you're getting. And just seeing, you know, the struggles in his life and how he kind of had his hand in it. So it's mm-hmm. interesting to see the inner workings behind these mythological superstars that we have.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where this movie misses the mark because it's not trying to humanize a myth. Mm-mm. It's not trying to show how the myth became what it was, and it's not even examining the a pivotal moment in a myth's life and seeing how that affected them. It's it's trying to do a lot at the same time it's trying to do all three but it doesn't succeed or go all the way with any of them
0: i think they just needed to like expand a little bit more it's like if you wanted to make it the making a psycho uh, just
1: make it the making a psycho well
0: you know you could they could have done the making a psycho who he is as a man and how he's you know come to this point in his life i think they could have tied all those things together and just made the movie a little bit longer so we kind of have more of a a full story. It
1: we would have more meat to chew on because yeah. I think that's the thing because I I don't want it to sound like oh the movie's bad I hate it I liked the movie yeah. it wasn't in it was an enjoyable watch and I was like oh the performances of this are great I like the production design it really does feel like I'm watching Hitchcock kind of mold something into creation but I was at at the end I'm like that's it. That's yeah. all we got out of it?
0: That's how I felt, too. I, I loved the movie, but I was just like, it needs more. It's like when you go and you get an uh, expensive meal at a nice restaurant, mm-hmm. and they give you these tiny portions, and it's like, well, it was great.
1: You're the best steak I ever had, but, but I, I'm, I only I'm st- ate it for five minutes.
0: Yeah, it's like, I'm still hungry. I, I want more. I, I want more details. I, I want to, you know, learn more about who these people were without having to, you know, go and buy a bunch of books and, you know, okay, kind of piece together their history and how this came to be it's like i want to see it all completed in one film
1: yeah and and also i think it's so annoying that they give the the lip service to north by northwest at the beginning of the movie Mm -hmm. and then they're like hey everybody do you want a sequel the birds is coming right after this guys I,
0: i love that i'm like that is so alfred hitchcock presents that i was just like that is the perfect way to end it just like with the the opening of the movie where it's um Ed Gein in Wisconsin, yeah. and he, you know, hits his brother in the head with the the shovel, and I'm like, oh my god, and then, you know, it pans over to Alfred Hitchcock, and you since the beginning of time, it's been brother versus brother, I'm like, this, this is can- so Hitchcock!
1: It, it is It is Rod Serling, That it is Twilight Zone!
0: Oh, I was so happy, I'm like, this is very much Hitchcock, but I was like, yeah, we need a little bit more meat on the bone.
1: Yeah, it, it's like, it's good, it's just it's not great for me uh, but let, let's dive in a little bit deeper here cuz i think we should actually tell people what the movie's about.
0: Yeah. I mean I, we I...
1: kind of we basically told people what the movie's about. I
0: mean we're we're just about maybe 30 minutes in and we still haven't told everybody the
1: the the actual plot synopsis. Yeah. I'll I'll give everybody a pretty brief one cuz we kind of explained it but here it is. So in 1959, sir Alfred Hitchcock played by sir Anthony Hopkins and his wife Alma played by
0: Dame Dame Helen Helen Mirren,
1: uh, are at the top of their career, or, or, yeah, at the top of their creative game as filmmakers amidst disquieting insinuations about it being time to retire. To capture his youth's artistic daring, Sir Alfred decides his next movie will adapt the lurid horror novel, Psycho. Over everyone's misgivings, unfortunately, as Sir Alfred self-finances and labors on this movie, Alma finally loses her patience with his roaming eye and controlling habits with actresses, and when ambitious friends lure her to a collaboration on a work of their own, the resulting marital tensions threaten to bring Hitchcock's work to a crumble. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of fancy words on the back of this fucking box.
0: <laughs> there is. And,
1: and come on, English ain't my, you know, first language. But, um, it it is a thing where, oh, he's making a psycho but to add drama, there's a marital spat. Yeah. And that's the movie. And the marital spat feels
0: fine. Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting, because that's life, you know? They've been married for so many years by this point to when they're making Psycho, that yeah, you would expect they're gonna have issues in their marriage, and it's just kind of interesting to see how it spills out into the story with you know, okay, we're doing this project and when I do my projects they're everything to me, and she's kind of like I get that, but I'm also your wife, and you need to kind of, you know, acknowledge that I exist.
1: Yeah, and the other thing is, because it makes a note that the movie's, what the movie's actually about, it's, oh, it's this guy trying to recapture his creative vigor from his youth because he feels like he's being aged out of yeah. of the top spot, right? But the thing is, is they're, I, I don't know if they're wrong about the point of the movie. Because, yeah, Hitchcock was aging out, right? Because at the time of uh, Psycho, he was almost 70, I think. Uh, Let me check, because I know how, I have his um, thing up, so I know how old he was. He was born in 18, okay, so he was, like, 60. Yeah. When Psycho came out. So it's like, okay, so he's, like, 60, he's gonna live for another, like, 20 years, but, you know, you look at his creative output after Psycho, and it's, yeah, you can tell there's, like, a decline, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But it is interesting to see oh somebody's like hey hitch time to hang up the gloves man you had last fight that's all you got and then he makes the most successful film of his career
0: right yeah after. i i mean i i saw somewhere that um years after psycho alma actually suffered a stroke and they were living like um in san francisco and like this really you know in the woods kind of manner and it was far away from, you know, the city, the town. Mm-hmm. So he kind of, you know, made a decision. He's like, you know what? I need to make sure that she's in the best care. So he moved his family back to Beverly Hills where they're local, you know, with doctors and everything. So I think probably by the end of his career, it was more, I got to focus on my wife, my family. So I think that's maybe why. Psych- his career
1: slowed way down. Yeah. After. And I mean,
0: Alma was his partner, his film partner, too. So if she wasn't in the best condition, it was probably... I'm not gonna stress her to you know, do these long hours and to help me you know push you know this film to be another masterpiece. So I think that's probably why, after a while, he kind of you know, I'm gonna walk away from this.
1: Yeah, and it's it's just so interesting to see his his, his like ouvre, I guess.
0: Oh, well, that's a good word.
1: Uh, see, I'm I'm picking up on one.
0: You're over here complaining about the back of the box, and you break out ouvre.
1: Exactly. But that's the thing because he worked for ever and yeah. ever and ever, and he dies in 1980. Alma dies in 82, and you look at his like actual filmography, and the guy was making like so many great movies throughout his career. Yeah, and it's fascinating to see how this movie decides we're only focusing on Psycho, which, mm-hmm. again, I, I said it before, it's his last masterpiece, yeah. right? Birds is a good movie, Mm -hmm. uh, but it it doesn't stand up to Psycho. He never makes another movie as good as Psycho until he he dies, basically.
0: Uh,
1: But it's interesting we're doing this, but we don't show any of the other masterpieces. Or we don't show, oh, his first American film, which is... Rebecca.
0: Is is it Rebecca or Sab... Rebecca's the first American film.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, we're not looking at Rebecca... A movie that I would argue is as critical as Mm -hmm. Psycho is in his career. Or we're not looking at Vertigo, the movie that everyone says, oh, that is the most Hitchcock film to exist.
0: And it's also his love letter to San Francisco, because that was his and Alma's favorite place. They lived there, and he was like, I want to, you know...
1: Encapsulate this in I want to show
0: my love for the city in this movie.
1: Yeah, or we're not gonna look at North by Northwest, Mm -hmm. which has one of the wildest and weirdest productions that he's ever undertook. Like, the script was written in, like, 15 different acts and stages. Or
0: Rear Window, where it's just, you know, these amazing sets that they build. You have uh, Princess Grace uh, of Monaco. You have Jimmy
1: Stewart. or, Or that's the other thing. Or Rear Window, which I would say is his best... Film. it's his best suspense film, mm-hmm. right? And it's all these different films where I'm like, well, all of these are important. And you landed on Psycho. Did you just land on Psycho because it's the one that's most popular, or the one you thought was the most critical of his, of his oeuvre for you to examine to get the to get the point of the man? You know, yeah. Is that is that why? Just because it was the most popular one?
0: No, I think because it was such a difficult project to get lifted and it, the fact that you know he was like i'm gonna make it with my own money mm-hmm. there's no way you're stopping me and i love the speech that he makes to alma in the movie because she's kind of like you sure you don't want to shelve this for a little bit until you know paramount kind of gets off your back and then they're like okay you know let's let's do what you want to do
1: make one more uh hit for them and then you can make your own personal project yeah,
0: and you know i love that he breaks down into you know i miss the old days where we would kind of just put it all out on the line. You know, we didn't have that much money or that much time, but we did it because we loved making movies.
1: That's something that Coppola made mm-hmm. a point of like this year, last year was Francis Ford Coppola. Mm-hmm. He had, you know, directed the Godfather, mm-hmm. Snow, and he made a comment after the whole like Scorsese thing, like uh comic book movies aren't cinema. Yeah. Yeah. No comic book movies are like fine, but the problem is there's no risk in filmmaking anymore. Everything is so corporatized, everything mm-hmm. is so produ- produced, everything is so what homogenized, we... We, we need risk in cinema, that makes good cinema. What
0: can we turn into a toy, what can we turn into a t-shirt, books?
1: Yeah, great cinema has risk. Like, yeah. what is Apocalypse Now? He was like, if Apocalypse Now failed, I would have literally been in the poorhouse, no matter how good it came out. Yeah. If it didn't turn a profit, he was done. Godfather, they were like, We're putting our faith in you, and he had to fight tooth and nail for every creative decision in The Godfather. Yeah. Like, it, it's just a fascinating thing that even Hitchcock for Psycho was like, Yeah, no, like, like to get that vigor back, to be like, th- Make real cinema.
0: Make a kino. Make
1: it kino. He has to, like, put risk into yeah. it. Yeah.
0: And that's all great things. You know, when you get that. You know, just that, you know, feeling in the pit of your stomach where I know I'm doing the right thing. I need to do this. And no one can believe you. It's you pushing through and being, pers- you know, you have to persevere. And it's like, we see that with Psycho where the studios were kind of like, people don't want to see a gory movie. They want to see a nice movie. And it's like.
1: Which I, I want to make a note. Psycho is the least gory. Oh, yeah. Fucking slasher film of all time. I think Psycho or I think Psycho has less blood than halloween.
0: Yeah, and halloween
1: has like none. Hardly
0: any blood or like in it. Like
1: Texas Chainsaw Massacre famously mm. had what two red solo cups worth of blood for the entire film.
0: Yeah.
1: I still think that beats out Psycho.
0: But it was interesting in this movie that they show um the the offices that do like the the ratings and the Oh, the MPAA. There you go. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, back in the day cuz this was still We were still under a pretty tight ratings
0: board. Because
1: the the rating board doesn't loosen up, I think, until, like,
0: 64
1: or 67, something like that. A few Mm -hmm. years after this. Yeah. Because by the time, like, Bonnie and Clyde and The Graduate and all that stuff comes out, the rating board had laxed enough for them to make more, like, transgressive and and cinema stuff like that. Which also is another weird thing. Alfred Hitchcock's career spans from before The Hays Code. To after the Hays Code to the introduction of like New Hollywood, where the code system was basically washed away for a decade. Yeah, and but and again, the other weird thing about Alfred Hitchcock is he doesn't seem like a filmmaker that could exist in a New Hollywood era.
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird when you think about it.
1: He's so he's so steeped in like that classical mm-hmm. tradition, and he's such a master of very old school cinematic language that I can't see him doing a fight scene all handheld and running in and out and following no, no. around like in main streets.
0: No. He's he's Or even the killing. Yeah
1: like even the killing where I can't see I can't see Hitchcock doing what Kubrick was doing in like 56 mm-hmm. where oh I'm gonna make this again another B picture yeah. noir film but I'm gonna insert these weird documentary Bits of it Mm -hmm. at the horse track. I can't see Hitchcock being like, "Yeah, we're gonna go on location and we're gonna like, you know, really get down and dirty." Because he hated locations. Oh
0: yeah, he detested it. So it's just
1: and that was like half a fucking that made New Hollywood so interesting. Was it real location, real people, man? Yeah,
0: and that always seems like so much fun. You know, you get out of the studio and you get to be in this new place and turn it into whatever you want to turn it into. And Hitchcock was like, "No, I like being." That goes also with his character. Of I like everything that I can control and manipulate. I can control the lights, the air, the this, the that. <laughs>
1: he strikes me as the stereotype that people give to Stanley Kubrick. Because people mm-hmm. say, oh, Stanley Kubrick, he really wished his actors were just robots. He can wind them up and tell them to do whatever he wanted mm-hmm. and they would just do what he wanted right away. But you actually learn a lot about it. And no, Kubrick... Made his actors take a lot of takes because he wanted them to just experiment and explore. Yeah. And he's just like, we're doing all these takes because I want you to just stop acting and just be- The character. You. Just be mm-hmm. a character. I Like, in Eyes Wide Shut, Tom Cruise hated the fact that Kubrick wanted him to just, just play yourself, just be you. Mm-hmm. And Tom Cruise like, no, like, give, give me a fucking character. He's like, no, 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 no.
0: You're just being you. I'd like just to see a Tom. take where Tom just runs at the camera and the Tom Cruise kind of running that he does. He's like, I'm being me. I'm running. I'm running. Tom Cruise had a.
1: He drove himself fucking crazy working with Kubrick. It's great, but with with Hitchcock, he's actually that stereotype where he wants his actors to basically be mannequins and models and just be exactly what he wants them to be. He's. I think he's famous as saying that. He never said actors were cattle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He thought that was really demeaning. Yeah. he said you should treat your actors like cattle.
0: <laughs> and it's and it's, it's like a, I
1: get okay. And
0: it's it's his dry humor too, where it's just like people assume like, oh my god, you know, he's <laughs> well, being well, rude, and it's just like, well, no. well let,
1: let's be honest, he also wasn't wasn't really lying about his feelings about his actors, because he was controlling yeah. shit. Yeah, And that's one of those things that a lot of people who worked with him make note of, especially the women he worked with, mm-hmm. was he was really demanding, he was really particular, he was kind of a, like, lecherous prick, but he was a great fucking director. Mm-hmm. Like, Tippi Hedren said she fucking hated the guy, he was a good director, but he was a fucking cunt to her the entire mm-hmm. production of The Birds.
0: Yeah, and then you have yeah. Janet who who's kind of like, he was that, so nice. He was nice. That was, you know, such an experience to be able to work with him. Has
1: Has Janet Lee ever said bad about the making of Psycho?
0: I don't think so. I think her portrayal in this movie is probably as close to history was of making this movie. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, he really treated her well and talked to her and told her, you know, okay, we're going to have to do this, this, and this in the movie. I want you to be as on board with the project and aware of the things That we're going to throw at you. And even with, you know, we're going to kill you off 30 minutes into this movie, we want you to know so you don't feel like, you know, you've been snubbed out and good day. Yeah. And she was, you know, very on board. She read the book before she even read the screenplay and she was ready to go.
1: And also, I feel like Alfred Hitchcock, if he made a pass at uh, Janet Leigh, Tony Curtis would have been so down to
0: fight. Yeah, Tony would have had something to say about that. I,
1: I love the stories about Tony Curtis because everyone's like, oh, he was one of those guys who was like super, you know, he was totally gay, right? One of those gay leading mm-hmm. men that just hit it the whole time. No, that guy was a horn dog, And he has... Some of the best, like, old Hollywood, like, stories, like him and Kubrick on Spartacus. All they talked about was, like, football, broads, and sandwiches.
0: It's always about sandwiches with you guys. You talk about ham sandwiches all the time.
1: Ham sandwiches are, are literally this, the bar which all sandwiches are, are measured by. Let's Let's just agree on this. But the thing is, is, I would imagine... Alfred Hitchcock, if he made a pass to Janet Lee, he probably would have gotten into a fist fight with Tony Curtis. I don't think he would have cared that Hitchcock was like borderline dead on his feet for the last ten years of his life.
0: I mean, I think Cubanos are the best sandwich of all time, and they got ham in them.
1: See, that's a ham sandwich. It's just a, it's just a different brand of ham sandwich. I'm telling you, boo. Cubanos are
0: an experience. But but that, yeah, again, yeah. Like, you know, there's no way that Tony would have, you know let anybody make a pass at his wife.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a thing, because Hitchcock has a very notable, um, we'll say a very notable history of being kind of a lecherous jerk to his leading ladies, we'll say.
0: Not to Grace Kelly, though. He loved... He,
1: apparently she was she was another one of those actresses that said, oh no, he was great to, yeah. to hang out
0: with. I mean, uh, the, the home that I was talking about earlier that um, Hitchcock and his family moved from that was in San Francisco... Apparently, after Grace Kelly became Princess Grace Kelly, she would come from France with her family and vacation in their house over in San Francisco. So, it was like, they maintained a friendship after, you know, she became a royal. Mm. So, it's like, yeah, you know, I can see it with some of maybe his leading ladies, but then there were others where it's like, no, we just clicked.
1: Yeah, because I know in this, uh, I I don't know how true it is in the movie that vera miles who was in this uh who was in psycho and is portrayed in this movie hitchcock mm-hmm. and her whole character is just to tell janet lee don't trust hitchcock he's always watching and he's such an obnoxious cunt mm. and it's like in the movie oh he's nothing but sweet to to scarlett johansson
0: he's yeah. but nice yeah and i loved seeing their relationship because it felt like a friendship yeah. even though they had just I don't know if it was a thing where, you know, maybe they'd met in passing before. I think maybe Hitchcock and uh, Janet Lee had met before, and it was i
1: I wouldn't know. Yeah,
0: I, I'm trying to remember from, like, all the stuff that I've read. But well, it, it seemed like they had a genuine friendship off the bat.
1: Well, I want to ask you this because, uh, again, this is a biopic, mm-hmm. and uh, we've kind of meandered and talked about just Psycho for a minute. But I want to talk about, like, Hitchcock the movie for one moment. Yeah. And I want to ask how much of the movie is bullshit or more politely, how much of it is exaggerated or just made up for the screen?
0: Yeah. I. I that's why I watched the psycho documentary to kind of pick and see where I can get people that were actually there. So mm-hmm. I could kind of, you know, counterbalance it with the movie and see what was fiction and what was you know non-fiction yeah and the whole vera miles thing that was true in a sense that she was the next person that he wanted to kind of like build up to the grace kelly level of he, acting he
1: earmarked her as his muse and she was going to be his mm-hmm. next starlet right yeah
0: and i think it was the assistant director of psycho that said yeah you know he'd gotten pissed when she became pregnant and he was just like what do you mean you're pregnant? You know, I, I was, you know, lifting you up to stardom and, you know, you want to stop and become a mom and a housewife. So that was true. Okay. Um, An interesting thing, because Vera, what, what's her last name? Miles. Uh, Miles, I wanted to call her Miller. Uh, Vera Miles, I guess, someone asked her when this movie came out, I guess she was still alive, but they asked her, hey, you know, are you going to watch this movie? And she's like, absolutely not. So I was just kind of like, Ooh. Do, you, do you
1: think there was some, like, catty, they just did not like each other vibes?
0: That's what I'm kind of interested in. Is it you're still pissed off about the things that have happened in the past? Or are you pissed off that Jessica Biel's portraying you? Because she doesn't really look like vera miles no she 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 makes a
1: passing resembles when she gets the hair on when she gets
0: the hair on and the costume on i'm like okay but i was just kind of like is it a casting choice you didn't like that or are you just kind of like you know what i I feel like she just
1: didn't like hitchcock and didn't like the movie yeah because i i feel that's another thing that comes up in the movie that i think her feelings towards hitchcock are probably accurate Mm -hmm. but i know like the the whole like affair vibe thing that wasn't very true to life.
0: Yeah, I mean, um,
1: a lot of the Anthony Perkins, like, granted, the actor playing Anthony Perkins is like, oh, it looks exactly like him. He's doing really a good portrayal. But a lot of like the Anthony Perkins being afraid that people are gonna find out he's like gay. I don't think that's totally accurate to the to real life because I think he was like married with kids at this point.
0: No, he wasn't. I don't think he was married at that point. I think he got married. Like, a little bit later?
1: It it had to been, like, a few years after this. It had to be been close.
0: I'm leaning more towards a decade, but I haven't done a lot of my research on Anthony Perkins' backstory. I know that he did get married and he did have kids, and there was that... Those rumors going around that, you know, he was gay, and, you know, they were trying to, like, put him in these, like, rom-coms to kind of, you know, prove, no, he's not, you the, see... The,
1: the uh, Rock Hudson plan? Yeah,
0: kind yeah. of. So. I mean, you have that going. Um, so it's like they sprinkle little truths. With to kind
1: of smooth over the like the exaggerations.
0: Yeah, so it was just kind of like, okay, you know, check that off my list. That really did happen. But an interesting thing about the Anthony Perkins character in this movie, this guy, uh, what was his name? Jack or James? Uh, I
1: believe it was uh, James. James Darcy. Dar- Darcy.
0: He actually he wasn't... has, the... like, a weird
1: apostrophe in there. It, yeah. it fucking throws me off. I
0: know. Me too. Apparently, he wasn't the first choice as Anthony Perkins. Really? Yeah.
1: I mean, the guy's a dead ringer for Anthony Perkins in the makeup. Oh, yeah,
0: but you wouldn't believe who they chose and who was actually, I guess, signed on to do this, but okay, had to. Okay,
1: I, I want to take a wild guess. Is it somebody who doesn't look anything like Anthony Perkins?
0: No, I think he could have made it work.
1: He could have made it work. He okay. could have made it
0: work, but I don't know if he would have made it work as good as um, James Darcy.
1: Okay, okay. Well, uh, what were they a movie star at the time? Yes. Did they? Oh, big movie star. Yes. A lister.
0: Yeah, I could, I think oh. he'd be an A lister.
1: Okay, okay. Um, young guy. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: Should I should I give you like a really direct clue? G-
1: give give me a give me a hint. What was the movie they made before this, or what was like? What's a big movie they were in around this time?
0: The movie we saw on our first date.
1: No fucking way, Andrew Garfield. Yes. No fucking way. Yeah,
0: that's right. He was signed on I... to do this, but he had to drop out because he was in Death of a Salesman on Broadway, and his practice schedule and you know once the, yeah. the show took stage he couldn't be part of the film.
1: Also I bought death of a salesman the other day like the book mm-hmm. cuz I've I've never read I've no idea what it's oh, about. Oh it's a good book. Yeah, I I bought it and I was like I'm going to read it after I'm done reading my other stack of books cuz I love the lord of the rings and I'm reading through it right now yeah. and I'm taking all my sweet fucking time on of return of the king. Uh but I I need to finish that cuz I have like 15 books I got to read. But I could see Andrew Garfield doing this.
0: Yeah. He he has that, you know, kind of shy boy next door kind of he, look.
1: Yeah, and Anthony Perkins' whole persona was mm-hmm. built on having that, oh, he's just the you know, the nice boy next door. He had he looked like he was
0: He's the kind of boy that runs the motel and, you know, tragically lost his mother and father. Yeah,
1: he's a guy mm-hmm. that even as a grown man looked like he was seventeen mm-hmm. until he was like thirty something. Yeah. And, and and also, speaking of somebody who looked like they were 17 until they're like 40-something, Ralph Macchio's in this.
0: Yeah, that kind of threw me when he's um, uh, Joseph,
1: Joseph Stefano. Stefano who also, he's another guy that's like a dead ringer for Joseph Stefano. Ralph Macchio yeah. is a dead ringer for the guy.
0: That's why this movie, whoever did the casting... Bravo, because all of the people on here were just...
1: Or like dead ringers.
0: Dead ringers, knocked it out of the park.
1: Even Scarlett Johansson, who doesn't really look all that much like Janet Lee, because Janet Lee had like a very specific looking face. I mean,
0: they're both beautiful women, but they both look very iconic in their own ways. Well, well, they look
1: different. But But Scarlett Johansson looks like one of those like classic Hollywood Mm starless, Is how her face looks. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I can I can see that and like granted but, Helen Mirren doesn't look anything like Alma does.
0: No, but I mean, it's Helen Mirren. So it's like
1: Helen you, you Mirren forget. is
0: you're going to, you know, be invested in the character that Helen Mirren gives you because she is just that strong an actress. But Scarlett Johansson, I mean, you put her in the makeup and the hair and she is just, you know, a phenomenal actress in her own that, you know, yeah, you believe that she's Janet Lee.
1: Yeah, no, her performance is mm-hmm. great. I'm I think it's one of those things, because this movie, it's one nomination was in its uh, makeup effects. Yeah. It, like, makeup and hair and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And with Hopkins, I can see it. They transformed a very, like, svelte Anthony Hopkins because he was coming off of playing Odin. So he decided to get a little little cut up. Yeah. And now he's playing this fucking ginormous dude with the jowls. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of makeup on him with, like, you know, Jessica Biel playing Vera Miles. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, no, she she's a dead ringer for him. The guy like James Darcy, Dead Ringer for Anthony Perkins. It yeah. feels like there's not a whole lot of makeup on them, but the amount is on it makes them look exactly like the characters.
0: Yeah, because when I first saw the movie, I saw Jessica Biel and I'm like, well, that's Jessica Biel, you know, I and mean, obviously I, I know who these actors are and it's like, oh, well, you're, you, you're- You saw Angel. Yeah, you know, it's like I've seen, you know, I know these people, but then it's like you see- Wait, was it, she on Angel? What was the fucking-
1: show she was she on. She was in Seventh Heaven, Seventh Heaven, okay. Who the fuck was on Angel? A Is lot that... of people. <laughs> I you know it was a lot of people, because um, I remember Jessica Beale from, like, 13 Ghosts, and, like. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Oh, God, there was another, like, like, fucking shitty movie she was in. What, wait, no, because she was the lead in Text Chance on Massacre, the remake, right? The remake, yeah. Okay. The, I think those are the only two Jessica Beale movies I've seen other than this.
0: She was in a lot of 2000s movies. <laughs> yeah, she was in, like, fucking
1: everything, and then I think she disappeared for, like, I don't know. The last couple of years, I haven't seen her in anything. No, she's
0: done stuff. She just did a a whole thing on Hulu last year about a, a female serial killer.
1: That's that's the thing because I don't have Hulu.
0: I guess. Yeah. But But um, it was just the thing, you know, where I saw her and I'm like, oh well, that's Jessica Biel. And then we see her in costume as Marion's sister, and I'm like, oh my God, you've really turned into Vera Miles. And I'm like, no wonder, you know, this movie was nominated for an Oscar and, you know, in hair, effects, makeup, because they were really able to bring these actors back to life in their new, you know, with these new actors that are portraying them.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things where, like, the movie has some things in it that it excels at. Mm -hmm. The casting is great. The performances are so good. Everyone in here is giving their fucking best go it's just like i feel like the script's not fully formed and that's what's holding it back from being like a great movie
0: you know we're we're missing one character in here that both kind of tripped us out a little bit when we saw them
1: Ooh, was it was it danny houston
0: no ed gein
1: oh okay yeah the guy playing ed gein uh michael wincott I I swear to god, I had to look up pictures of actual Ed Gein and it is fucking creepy. Yeah. I don't know how much that's probably the actual thing that got them like an effects makeups whatever Oscar cuz the guy is so like dead ringer Ed Gein, it was it's scary.
0: It was just like you've brought this serial killer back to life and you basically have him influencing Hitchcock.
1: Yeah. But also, those were like the goofiest scenes. I know you I, like you liked those scenes, and I was like, these are so fucking goofy.
0: I thought you would have been on my side of this, or we would have been, you know, flipped where you loved it, and I was kind of like, really? But I love that, you know, just his descent into madness is, you know, Ed Gein kind of whispering into his ear, and like. I, I think that's
1: my issue is Hitchcock's having this descent into madness, and he's being ferried there by Ed Gein, his imaginary friend. And I'm like, that doesn't seem real at all. I feel like the, no, It's I a thing that. where it's when that surrealist mm. like introspection is rubbing against like a, a true to life like biopic. Mm. And it's like and it's like some movies can do that. I think Rocket Man did that pretty well. Oh yeah. Because Rocketman's like, if you watch it, yeah, it's a biopic, all this stuff is happening, but it's complete fantasy. Which is And like, it a, works. It does work because it's like, oh, we understand. We're trying to show you the fantasy of Elton John and his rise to prominence through also the his, emotion that's going on through him
0: also his imagination too yeah. just cuz you know it's like he can give you the music. You can experience it. You can listen to it. But this is kind of like looking through his eyes and how he sees the world, and it's just
1: how how he feels.
0: Because mm-hmm. when he
1: played at um, what was that that music place in in L A. when he was like, oh, when I was playing, it felt like everyone was floating, and in the movie, uh, everyone's floating. It's, what,
0: what was it, Whiskey a Go Go? I think
1: it was Whiskey a Go Go. And that's the thing in Rocket Man, it works because oh, it's the story. Like if Elton John told you where it's really fantastical and mm-hmm. it's kind of just jointed, but it it works. Or, but in this, it's like the movie's not set up like that. It's like half the time, it's like it's like oh, we are a very serious, real drama about the the greatest director of all time. It is an imaginary friend, Mister Ed Gein. How's it going, Ed? I'm doing all right there, Mister Hitchcock. I, I Let's loved go and, it. and make some
0: food. Because I mean, those scenes they just completely take you off guard, and yeah. it's just you know, because you know, we're on set, and then suddenly we're in Ed Gein's house, and he's you know dragging. I'm assuming, Mary up the stairs to behead her in the tub. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh my god, you know, this movie just went really dark really fast.
1: Yeah, and it's... I think that's a tonal inconsistency with the movie because it doesn't feel like that's supposed to... That doesn't fit with what the movie's actually doing.
0: But it kind of works with the psycho aspect where, you know, we all go a little mad sometimes. And I feel like this is Hitch... Going mad and, you know, Ed Gein being like, hey, you know, um, you're kind of missing these major clues that your wife's kind of leaving, you know, go look in the the bathroom. There's some sand and that's how he figures out, you know, it's like, really, this writer's retreat means you're at the beach?
1: Like, I get that where what Ed Gein is, is Hitchcock's own paranoia mm. of his wife, like, potentially having an affair or leaving him or something like that. But it in the actual, I guess, workings of the movie... It's like, I don't think you need Ed Gein there. I feel like it'd be more compelling if we just see Anthony Hopkins just acting acting his ass off and showing, oh, you're this guy whose entire life is about control and you're being confronted by the one person you cannot control. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the movie is really about, is this control freak being unable to control the one person closest to him. Yeah. But then again, it's like the movie's still okay. It's not, you know. I I liked it. It was no, okay. I, I,
0: I really liked it. I I think there could have been more to it, uh. but for what it is, I really enjoyed it. I mean, any any time that I get to see. Hitchcock. Hitchcock, uh Hollywood landmarks, um
1: You love these behind the scenes yes. kind of movies. You love these old Hollywood like yeah, love letter movies. I, you know, if
0: if I could work on a film set, if that was my career, you know, just being on set, absolutely I'd be happy.
1: But yeah, that was uh that was Hitchcock. Final thoughts on Hitchcock. What did you think about it?
0: I really enjoyed it. I thought all the actors in this movie put out a great performance. Uh, I didn't talk too much about Scarlett Johansson, but I think she did a phenomenal job. You as... Talked a lot about Scarlett Johansson. I'm you just don't remember not, her. not too much, but <laughs> yeah, I, I think, a bit. but she did a phenomenal job as Janet Lee and as Marion Crane. But um, two strong thumbs up for me. If you love old Hollywood, if you love Psycho, behind the scenes kind of films, perfect.
1: I really think that's a great way to put it. If you love old Hollywood, if you love old films, if you're really into these like biopics of, like, this classical era. This is right up your alley. Um, I liked it. I th- Again, I think the performances are great. I think Helen Mirren's the standout here. Oh,
0: absolutely. Um,
1: I, again, Scarlett Johansson as, Jan- as uh, Janet Lee, very good. Uh, James Darcy as Anthony Perkins, very good. Michael Wincott as Ed Gein might be the second best performance in the movie. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins, ain't no slouch in any movie yeah. I've seen him in. Uh, but I really liked it. I think I'd give the movie a three out of Five in mm-hmm. terms of like overall thoughts it may, maybe like a three and a half I might, mm-hmm. I, I might be a little wonky about it but I would give it two thumbs up D- definitely give it a watch yeah. it's not a bad movie no. I think anyone could enjoy yeah. it as just a fun like biopic mm-hmm. about um, one of history's best uh, filmmakers
0: and one of history's greatest films
1: but next week
0: next week starts a new month we're moving into December your month it is my month, because we're doing something a little different this year. Dean had his birthday month, and next month is my birthday month, so yes. I'm going to follow in Dean's footsteps, and I'm going to be doing you know a month dedicated to one of my favorite directors, which means we're not saying goodbye to Mr. Hitchcock just yet. Oh, really? Yes, next month is going to be about Hitchcock films, and more importantly, my favorite Hitchcock films.
1: Ah, I see.
0: So it'll be a fun month, and I think the best way to start off Hitchcock Month for us is by doing the film that's my namesake, Rebecca. Really? Yeah.
1: We're finally going to tell people your real name. Dun, dun, dun.
0: Well, I mean, I tried I... to get it out there, but, you know, you've just thrown this Boo character out there, <laughs> so I have kind of had to take it.
1: Uh, look, you said you're like, oh, I don't want people to like know your real name. That might be kind of weird. So I'm just like, oh, Boo, that's a nickname I give you. That's fine
0: well, no, I mean, it's like, you're you on this, and I'm like, well, why can't I be me? And you're like, no, it's Dean and Boo, and I'm like, okay, I, I guess I, I no longer cease to exist. I'm just this character now.
1: <laughs> exactly, now. Like, you th- you think Dean's my real name? Huh.
0: But, yes, next week we'll be talking about Rebecca, which is Alfred Hitchcock's first American film.
1: Yeah, uh, I've never seen it. I know it's based on a novel, it and single Lawrence Olivier's
0: in it? Correct.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of about it, but I've never actually seen the movie. I'm very interested. It is his first, like, American film, right?
0: It's his very first American film, and it won two Oscars, I believe. Okay. So I think these are his only Oscars that one of his films has won.
1: I'm very excited, to be honest, because I I don't watch a lot of, like, old Hitchcock stuff. My Hitchcock is very much in, like, that late 40s, like, 50s. Like, Technicolor Hitchcock is my bread and butter. So black and white, old school Hitchcock, I'm kind of into.
0: With Sir Lawrence Olivier.
1: I like uh, Olivier. I, I really liked him uh, in a lot of movies I've seen him in. I think he's the best part of Spartacus by far. But uh, that'll be next week.
0: Yeah, that'll be next week. And if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you are right now, you can find us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube.
1: You can go to our YouTube channel, The Film Vault. That is The Film Vault on YouTube, where every week we try and upload a new video of this podcast but if you wanted to follow us on social media, where can they go?
0: You can find us on Instagram at the Phone Club Podcast where we post daily stories, trivia, upcoming episodes, and just our wild adventures that we go on.
1: And with that,
0: we'll see you next week at the Phone Club.
1: Good evening.